Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. Episode number 30. Ooh. Holy oh, shit. Bigger. Bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, if you include bonus episodes, it's more like episode 830. But still, 30. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, seriously. That's Three big. decades of the AE podcast already. Uh, do you think you would be here 30 years later, Billy, after it all started? Honestly, I thought I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's Unforgiven 2000. Hello everyone, once again I'm Kevin Mann. Joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. First of all, Ra! Adam Bivolo, how are you sir? You should have said the man to my Ra! Oh, I could have, but... You missed a chance there. I missed it, I completely I'm, missed that. I'm looking forward to this, thank you. Yeah. You know what? How are you feeling about this pay-per-view, Kevin? I've got a lot to say about this Look one. Look at that, yeah, yeah. turning the tables. They, uh, the tables have been turned on you. And to my right, unquestionably, the baddest man on the planet, and a man who walked through hell, high water, hammers, and wives to be here, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello. How's things? All right. Are you looking forward to a Steve Austin coming back tonight? I, I am. I am looking forward to it. I've missed him. I've missed yeah. him too, yeah. It's Every up to the same. Same way Steve Austin has it. So, Steve Austin, if, for those of you keeping track at home, was run over by a car and has been sitting at home with a bum neck. Eating burgers. Eating burgers. <laughs> and what happens when all the burgers run out? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Unforgiven 2000. As darkness envelops the land, the night of reckoning is here. Judgment Day is upon us. Four mortal men, warriors all, driven by desperation, ruled by the cruel hand of fate, seeking the ultimate glory, the coveted grail that darkens the soul. The merciless reign over us. Two jealous suitors, bound by a common passion, consumed by envy. Scorned by sins of the flesh. Betrayed by the glimmering light of love. The sinners lie amongst us. One vindictive soul. Seeking to avenge an evil deed. A wrath as cold as stone. To be unleashed without remorse. Without mercy. Without regret. The flame of forgiveness. That intro, that vampire intro. Yeah, what the hell? Freddie Blassie's back and he's jonesing for a role in Van Helsing. Well, no, he's not back. His pre-recorded lines are back. These yeah. are the same lines that have been yeah. used. Are they? Yeah, it's the coveted grail oh, promo it's again. Unforgiven 1998. God have mercy on their souls. I would have thought they would have brought him in to do a fresh recording at least. You'd think, yeah. Fucking hell, what the, that, that's, that's really spoiled that for me now. Sorry. I was going to say Shades of Backlash and many, many, many other 1998 pay-per-views with this. Mm. We had a chat of our main event, a fatal four-way for the WWF Championship. Four mythic men, four mortal men, <laughs> like the heathen figures of old, 
who are, then the snake lady appears in this as well. Yeah. Mythical suitors. Wrath as cold as stone. Now they've moved away from the Phenom Undertaker. It's like a slightly more realistic kind of character. Yeah. I know Kane is still like, you know, he's a demon or whatever, but no one's ever literally said Kane is actually a demon. Except for Kane himself. Why are we still doing all this, like, you know, spooky, scary skeletons shit? Like, it's... He's Kane, he can make fire go. Yeah, but I mean, for the whole package, like, I don't really like this. Yeah, it's, it was a. It was a bit odd for them to try and go so heavy with the fantastique, given that they're meant yeah. to be doing a more serious, realistic vibe with the storylines at the moment. I mean, there's no personification of evil on the card tonight, folks. You know, there's no Howard power here, yet we're acting like it. But I got very much a Van Helsing uh, vibe off this. Yeah, I dig that. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I, I was kind of getting Lord of the Rings music. Yeah, yeah definitely, it. yeah. Well, it's setting us up tonight. We've got a couple of big things. Number one, we've got a fatal four-way for the WWF Championship. Someone described this as the biggest placeholder feud of the Attitude Era. <laughs> Getting four lads on here and get The Rock to defend his belt once again without much in the way of story. But the big story, of course, is Stone Cold Steve Austin finally making his way back in his pickup truck. He's here to try and find out who ran him over. And obviously, he's a bit ticked off. We also find out in the opening here that Shane has got the evidence as to who shot Stone Cold. Like, he's got a tape, videographic proof. Who shot Stone Cold? Yeah, Gold. shot him with a car. We finally got our answers tonight, and Shane is going to reveal all later on in the evening. Do you think off the bat, Shane McMahon has got the actual hardcore proof? Probably not. Probably not. Genuinely, at this point, I don't know what it was, but when I was watching this, I bought into this. Brilliant. I spend the rest of the pay-per-view, every time they mention Shane having the evidence, I spend the rest of it thinking like, well, fuck, I can't wait to see what Shane has to say. Like, he's, he's never he's never misspoken before. I went along for the ride on this one. Fantastic. The logo for tonight's pay-per-view, Lesnar's shite back tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> seriously. Is. Also, the theme from this is like some sort of Wario Casino song. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was odd. But one great thing about this pay per view, but behind all of this, you know, uh, Austin coming back and hype and Shane and all this kind of stuff, there is one man who is making a return to pay per view tonight. We get to see him a load of times. I'm talking about my boy, KK Slider, out there waiting for Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> looking That's, so nervous. Looking yeah. so nervous. Kevin Kelly is back and better than ever. He's back and his pants are beiger than ever. <laughs> I fucking can't wait. Kevin Kelly's going to ask Steve Austin a question enthusiastically later. And I bet Austin's going to be upset by it. <laughs> it's going to be brilliant. More on that later. Kicking us off tonight. It is a huge tag team match. As team was up. The Dudley boys and the Acolytes <laughs> take on the right to censor with their newly found fourth member, Val Venus. Might as well say it right off the bat, gentlemen. Uh, Val Venus's white pants. Why has he got white pants and the rest aren't, don't? Because he's a milkman, that's why. He's the milkman he of the, is the milkman of the I'd say he's an ice cream man, but it seems a bit too fun. Like, <laughs> you imagine like Val Venus come around in like an ice cream truck, and he's only got like warm milk, like you know, oh. on a hot summer's day. Like, oh. hello, children. <laughs> um, yeah, it was never really explained why. Do we just not have black pants in his size? 
So we just said, go out with white, and that kind of just stuck. Well, eventually he does start wearing black pants, so yeah, right. I guess that's He does right towards the end of the yeah the, the run have black pants. As far as I know... But you just keep forgetting them, and like, you just have to keep wearing like the, the spare pair. That they had <laughs> spare ones that they had, like... Yeah. Brother loves pants. As far as I know, I could be wrong. I think Fal said once in an interview, the reason he did it was just to stand out and to look different, because... I thought that wasn't the point. But that was exactly the point. Like, the sensor was conformity. And, and of course, he Bull Buchanan, he's got his little beanie hat sometimes. Oh, yeah. Where he, he can stand out and, you know, Godfather can wear his glasses, so Val is stuck there with his white pants, I guess. He like, looks silly. He looks very silly. Very, very silly. Because censors don't wear white pants. No, they, they simply don't. They simply, <laughs> they simply do don't. not. Some of the people as well were claiming that it was kind of like him renouncing his porn star gimmick to the extreme where he's wearing like white clothes like, like you hear about the born Innocence, again Christian yeah. porn stars and they like wear like all white and all this kind of stuff <laughs> I think it's complete balderdash of course the Dudleys are feuding with right to censor because RTC don't like them using tables APA smoking drinking gambling fighting everything they all the doors hanging around they don't like <laughs> they don't like that either you know that rubs them the wrong way did anyone here ever hear about the amazing Dudley Boys right to censor uh, joining tees we thought that the Dudley Boys were going to join the right to censor no, no, no I don't recall oh guys my favourite segments ever that scantily clad women are wrong now he's going too far Michael amen And what about the tables? I guess they're wrong too. What about the tables, do you ask? Well, if putting people through tables is wrong, So Stevie Richards comes out and he's all mad happy and a big smile on his face because he said that he's managed to convert the Dudley boys. And Bubba Ray and Devon come out wearing the, you know, to the music with the shirt and tie and all this stuff and Devon's all like, Barana, we have been, you know, we've seen the light. You know, we were we were wicked bad men and all this stuff. And uh, Bubba Ray went, tables are wrong. And if tables are wrong, I don't want to be right. And he just killed Stevie Richards. <laughs> <laughs> through like 10 tables or whatever it was. Absolutely. As a kid, the thought of the Dudley Boys joining the right to censor was like, I probably would have stopped watching wrestling. <laughs> I would have been so upset by that. A recap of the APA dancing with Too Cool. That just com- ruins the characters for it me. Did, a it did. It was. It ruined it for me. Bradshaw yeah. trying to dance is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's sad. It it's really actually is. Sad show. Right. Uh, sad show. Good luck. <laughs> I feel like Acolyte Flex Agency. I mean, they can do so much stuff and get away with it, but dancing like yeah, no way. And then we saw as well because we watched the Raw after this when uh, the Dudley Boys were having cards with the Acolytes. And oh. it was like, what's up? What's up? What is up? Yeah. What's up? Hey, look, it's the man. The man from the what's up, what is up ad. What have you got? I've got that brand of beer that you like. 
What is up? What's 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 up? You can do What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, Maggle? So our truth gives them their beer back. Yeah, basically. What's up? I might as well chat about it now. It's age so bad. Oh, you don't say. I remember when it actually happened. It got stale after about two weeks. You know it's bad when you're at nine years old going, that's a bit stale, isn't it, lads? That's a bit silly. Oh, God. On and on it went. But, yeah, the Dudley boys in the API, I will say, pretty smart and pretty cool that they managed to hitch their wagon to such a mainstream, you know, thing. The actual guy from the ad showed up on Yeah, that's that's true. You know, they did do well for themselves in that. I could also just say, the pairing of the Dudley boys and the APA, that's fucking awesome, I think. Oh, like, definitely. Serious yeah. ass-kicking team right Dream there. team. Four yeah. men, like, <laughs> you know. I'm, ama- I'm amazed by these four men joining together. We're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the hometown boy, Stevie Richards, says he's fighting the good fight. JR says, I'll watch whatever the hell I want on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Heavy action from heavy men, with Val Venus, of course, having the bulk of the work. But, God, they're a, they're a big lot in this match. Yeah. Stevie Richards is dwarfed yeah. by all of these guys. There's, there's a lot of stiffness as well. Bradshaw clobbers the shit out of Buchanan. Yeah. Amazing how much he knocks the fuck out of him. Well, Buchanan is the greenest man in the yeah. ring, so Bradshaw is going to take it upon himself Make him to, to slap him about a bit for whatever reason. Bradshaw and Bull, yeah, Jesus, it's hard-hitting stuff. The fucking amazing spin, though, here. This is like Shades of the West Wing or something like that. JR has you there making you think WWF doesn't want to censor itself, doesn't want to be censored. Like, they very much, like, are doing this. It's so clever, though. It's so, so clever. Because you're sitting there kind of like, Right to censor, you bastards. As if Stevie Richards has any fucking stroke around this office. (laughs) Are you serious? Like, come on. Hot tag to Bubba Ray Dudley and Jesus Christ, Bubba bombs galore. Mm, throwing everyone around. And it breaks down with all eight men getting into the ring in a big old brawl. The Dudley device to Val Venus. They start doing the, the Legion of Doom's old tag team finisher. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. The Dudley device. But uh, once again, continuing the streak, we get a shit bot Stevie kick out of nowhere and the right to censor win another match with unlike just... They win with a botched move. Stevie, you've got one fucking thing to do in the whole match, and you fucked it up again. Uh, I love Stevie Richards, but he's goofing up his kick. Fucking finisher. It's the one move you should be perfect with, you know? I thought that was that's meant to be an easy move yeah. to do. Yeah. Like, you know. The streak of botched RTC wins continues. After the bell, however, we get what's up to Stevie, which is the first time we see it in the podcast. Did you yeah. know this was a thing, Bill? No, I didn't. Every single time they do that move, they've got to do this now. What's up? What's up? Even in 2002, when people are like, yeah, vaguely uh, even recalling what beer it was that it was. <laughs> I don't even remember what beer it was. It was Budweiser. Budweiser, yeah. yeah. So, table for fucking Stevie Richards, a yeah. top rope powerbomb following a couple of potatoes from Bradshaw, a nuclear pop. Fucking hell. Philadelphia loves seeing this. And again, yeah. it's great to know that right to censor, you could fuck up a finish. Um, but you can still get huge nuclear heat and big pops from the crowds. Bubba Ray's eyes as well after he puts Stevie through the table. He's all like, ah, like scratching at his face <laughs> and all that stuff. Fun opener. I thought this was, was, was fun. And yeah. Again, yeah, fun good opener. I, I don't think the RTC are going to have anything other than like fun matches. Yeah. Because it's you're just going to essentially see them 
kind of but they seem to always win but they always seem to get comeuppance of some sort down the line mm. as well which the crowd always loves so I'm happy about that backstage Triple H and Stephanie talk about his poor ribs yeah, which are all uh, he got very dicky ribs Kurt yeah. Angle has went off the dicky deep end <laughs> and he uh, attacked Triple H with a sledgehammer and now Triple H is all wrapped up he acts like he has to poop real bad I'm gonna go in that ring tonight <clears throat> tonight with Kurt Angle and it all comes to an end. All the waiting, all me controlling my temper, the not being angry, all of it, it comes to an end tonight. I am gonna get in that ring and I am gonna do what I do best. And whether referee Foley likes it or not, I'm gonna destroy Kurt Angle. I am gonna leave him laying a pile in the center of that ring. And I need to know, if you have intentions of going out to the ring tonight, I need to know you're cool with that. I'm 100% cool, I'm your wife, I'm behind you. I'm sorry for ever defending Kurt Angle. You don't have to worry about that again. You know, I just really thought that, that Kurt was my friend. But you know, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe you were wrong? Maybe? I was wrong. I'd say you were wrong. Kurt was never your friend. Would your friend do what he did to us for months on end? Would your friend take a sledgehammer and smash my ribs in? Your husband's ribs in? Would that friend then force himself on you? No, I don't think so. Maybe you need to ask yourself, Steph, was, was your friend really worth it? Especially Aww. as well because his leather jacket sounds like a fart. So he's like, Steph, I'm really, <laughs> really sore here. It's great. It's so funny. Triple H said that Kurt Angle was never Stephanie's friend. Ooh. So, yes, of course, we have the rematch between these two gentlemen. They're finally going to be facing off one-on-one -on -one with Mick Foley as a special guest yeah. referee later on in the night, which I cannot wait for. That was, like, really intense, the way Triple H talks to Stephanie there. Like, he's really like, Kurt's not your friend, like, getting right in her face. Like, I'm your husband, you're my wife, you belong to me, and all that. Yeah. And the second that's finished, JR tells us on commentary that it's Stephanie's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. belong to me. Oh, poor Steph. He's not, he's not much for birthdays, is uh No, he's not. He's, triple he's not really acting like a man who hit his wife by mistake at the last pay-per-view, no, is he? No, that's like? true. We didn't see the apologies. No, we didn't really. Backstage, the Kmart is still waiting. Like Seymour from Fosharama. He's <laughs> going to wait forever. Except that when Fry shows up, he's going to beat up Seymour. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Coming up next, it's the rematch of the century. A match which nearly became Billy's match of the night at SummerSlam. Yeah, the feud which we did not think we'd care about. It's Jerry Lawler and Taz. One more time. Again. like Yeah. Did it, it felt nice at the end of the last one that Taz got his comeuppance and you know JR and Jerry banded together and they overcame the mean L Taz and I don't know again were you happy to see a rematch? I was happy to see a rematch yeah. yeah I thought it was unnecessary I really thought that Taz could have been doing something a little bit better at this point you know he had his feud with the king does he really need to fight him two months in a row? Well here we are he's doing this this whole feud leads to Taz starting to do stuff on commentary Right. on Heat and Smackdown and stuff like that he would start antagonising the, the commentators saying that he was better than them and he would eventually this would lead to him shifting onto commentary yeah. the amazing part of this was that Taz was on Smackdown once 
trying to get attention to the commentators. He sat, you know, right behind the commentators. Yeah. And he was there and he like throwing popcorn at him going, boo! <laughs> and he had a big sign that said Taz with an arrow that he just kept holding up like, you know, at himself. Quite funny. I feel like this match should have been happening at the weekend and indie show being booked by Jerry Lawler <laughs> yeah. as opposed to here, but whatever. Taz's gear, have you seen it? His new clothes. What do you think? I think it looks a bit muck. Yeah, yeah it's a bit shy. It's very cheap. He very looks, baggy and cheap looking. He looks like an instructor on like Laser Quest or something <laughs> like that, you know, because he's got like black and all that and his, his orange piping. T-Bone suplex by Taz early on, which I did not expect Jerry Lawler to take, seriously. This is a strap match, of course. Yeah. So we can win oh, yeah. by touching the four corners. Or submission. Or submission. Or which pin. is strange. You can do all three. All pins yeah. are available. Yeah, pin I through. hate strap matches. I think I've said Stupid this before. Match. That being said, I enjoyed this strap match. I suppose this is like... This is less like the Triple H rock strap matches where it was just a very large brawl where the men happened to be connected. Mm. This is more of what the old Memphis old ones would have been, the touching the corners and all that kind of thing. I, yeah. I, it made me feel really uncomfortable seeing Taz properly choke out Jerry and the face that Jerry pulls. Jerry oh, looks like his yeah. face yeah. Very, exploded. Very yeah. Looks, looks, looks shoot. And he, <laughs> he straps him as well. He, like, he whips him with the belt yeah. like pretty, pretty damn hard and it's... You start feeling bad for Jerry because he's like, oh, he's only the commentator. Leave him alone, you meanie. Yeah. You know, it's, it's horrible. Pile driver. Pile driver. He gets pile up. Dri- three <laughs> pile drivers. after three pile drivers, but then the third one, he just takes one step, just falls over. So it's he expl- knows exploding sells. heart technique from Kill Bill. More or less. Salt on him. He stands up two times, no selling. Yeah, and his third one, he, he takes a bit of a Ric Flair flop after that. <laughs> it's funny to see Taz kind of... Now even his no-selling stuff is becoming almost like a little bit of a joke. Yeah. How strange for him. nothing left. Jerry Lawler starts heading across to the turnbuckles, and he touches three of them. And this really annoyed me. I, like It made me like realise, God, they're, they are, like, they're working me here. Because he's got a big, long strap, and Jerry literally bunches it all up in his hand so that he has to walk dramatically to each one as opposed yeah. to just... And drag Taz around to make it seem, oh, will he make it? Why, is it, why did you bunch it up, Jerry? You probably just reach it without that. He literally, yeah. he would have been able to just go, go bup, 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 otherwise. Yeah. But here we go, like, it's got to make you, it's going to take you a lot longer to do it this way, Jerry Lawler, but it will be more dramatic, I'll give you that much. And who appears in Philadelphia, debuting on the podcast and in the WWF as this character? It's Raven! And Lawler near that corner. Yeah. I did not expect to see I can't I completely forgot that Raven is part of WWF now. I knew he was coming up. Of all places I expected him to turn up, not in Taz versus Jerry the King Lawler. Like, Very strange. Odd match. I, I would have expected him to turn up in like to start of immediately with someone like Jericho. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Benoit, yeah. maybe. Not Jerry but and when, Taz. Yeah, because this match, let's be honest, this is like right down at the bottom of the card. Yeah, yeah. very much so. So for Raven to debut in the middle of this, like, oh, it's a bit of a bad omen, isn't it? I remember as a kid, I was kind of like, oh, they're ECW guys, I guess. But like, Taz was a loner always. Yeah. And yeah. Raven never was with Taz or anyone. You know, it's like, 
it didn't seem like a it seemed like a very random pairing. It was kind of like, oh, you two are both ECW guys, so therefore you will be together. That's probably literally all the thought they put into it. Yeah, there's not not much, but the crowd, of course, were in Philadelphia, and Raven here. This was kind of a long rumored debut. Raven left WCW famously when Bischoff asked if anyone wanted to leave, and he's like, yeah, I'll leave, <laughs> <laughs> and he could go nowhere for a year, so he ended up going to ECW while they were on TNN just for a year. Uh, but with the view that he would finish up and go to join WWF then yeah. so the example of the really complicated behind the behind the scenes spinning wheels that were going on between the three companies at the time but bottom line is Raven is finally here in WWF and I marked out big time for this particularly because Jim Ross is incensed is that, <laughs> who the hell is that he doesn't even work here he's not part of this of this roster <laughs> um, I, what do you think of Raven's look Jean uh, like shorts. Guy, he does, doesn't he? With his leather jacket, looks and his like flannel. A, a crust punk. A crust punk. Very good usage of the word there. Though. I think that's a very excellent usage of the word crust punk. As a kid, I thought this was like he was one of the coolest looking wrestlers there was on the roster. He just looked like such a fucking. You know, like, what was that guy from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Is it Casey Jones? Jones yeah, 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 or like someone from Street Sharks or something. You know, just like with his. His shirt tied around his waist and all of his clothes are all cut up and he looks rough as fuck. You just you look at him and you get the sense that this guy is tough as nails. I remember going out to buy a toy raven like so quickly after this. Yeah, yeah, same. Because it's like this guy is toyetic, you know. Yeah, I, I amazing action figure of Raven. Oh, did he have the Punisher? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the same one. That's yeah, amazing. Fantastic. Childhood. And Raven always wore awesome T-shirts as well. Which was really cool to see that it, was, it carried on for ECW into WWF here. Dinosaur as well. Junior. And yeah, stuff like that. that was really really cool. Fucking hipster. Taz mission by Taz on Jerry the King Lawler, and Taz just ends up winning. Raven leaves through the crowd as quickly as he arrives. Uh, he cuts a promo next week, and his character WWF starts the basis of like, ah, I'm homeless. I live in a box. I want a hot dog. Oh. Why don't I get a Coke? I want a Coke. What oh, about Raven? No. Everybody loves Raven. By the sound of it. <laughs> Thoughts on the match? It was alright. It was okay. Not as good as the first one. Not as good as the first one, but it was still alright. As a ways to debut Raven, I'm still confused. Yeah, I'm confused. I don't understand what that's all about. And also, come on, I know we keep saying about how weak Taz looks now, but Taz could only beat this old, semi-retired man because his buddy Raven helped him. Yeah, I know, right? Sad. Really, like, that's Taz's first victory, like, God knows how long as well, and it took that to do it. Unbelievable. Backstage, Kelly Clark marks out for Austin. And Kevin Kelly still awaiting the arrival of Stone Cold Steve Austin. My God, Stone Cold Steve Austin's finally arrived here at Unforgiven. He is here. The rattlesnake is here. Stone Cold Steve Austin, welcome to Unforgiven. How do you feel? Stone Cold ain't here to answer questions. Tonight I'm asking the questions. Steve Austin, yeah! <laughs> Austin beats him up. Yeah. I told you. I told you it would happen. Oh no. No. Oh no. No. No, 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 no. Jerry Lawler has been choked out, so he has to be taken to the backstage. So who's going to join on commentary? Oh no. Michael Cole. Oh, no. oh, no. oh god, no. Please, no, god, no. 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 For joining us here uh, with the, in the King's absence, but the rattlesnake is here, emphatically here. I cannot believe it, Jr. And obviously, he's not in the mood to answer any questions. I think he wants to ask the questions. Stone Cold's court of law. Remember, you're guilty until proven innocent. 
Oh, Michael. Uh, we get a replay of literally what just happened. Literally, just straight away again. The whole scene. We get to see Kevin Kelly there. Austin arrives, beats him up. Yeah. Again. Michael Cole. It, just the arrival of Michael Cole is even making the vision mixing team do a shit job now. Like, showing the same clip twice. Forget about the return of Steve Austin. This is clearly one yeah. thing. The return of Michael Cole on commentary. Uh, uh, Michael Cole commentary with the man who kicked him in the balls not a few months ago, Jim Ross. I wonder if he get his narrow Yankee ass out of here for this <laughs> one, folks. Coming up next, it's a hardcore championship spectacular again. Is it another hardcore, hardcore spectacular? spectacular two? I hardcore spectacular part two. But, but is it for the European Championship? Oh no, no. it's the European oh. Champion just in it. Oh, all right, all right then. So we got Al Snow taking on Funaki. Oh, he's back. Yeah. Taking on Crash. Taking on Test. Taking on Perry Saturn, taking on Steve Blackman. Can I just say, Perry Saturn looks like he's blacked up. Really? <laughs> he's got so much fake tan on. It, it's to a comical level, <laughs> his fake tan now. He's a different colour now, basically. In oh. fairness, like, Perry's probably not too sure what's going on. No, like, so. Al's changed nationalities as yeah, well. he's Italian now. Italian Al Snow. I thought that was fucking amazing. <laughs> he's doing this thing where he's European champion, so every week he's going to come out with a different Europe. Yeah. And, like, so he came out and it was, like, you know, France, so he had, like, a beret and loads of garlic and baguettes. And they came out and it was Greece, so he came out dressed as John fucking Travolta. <laughs> oh my you know? god. That is like, brilliant. With his greasy hair, like, hey, I'm Italian, look at this, I've got a pizza over here. Oh! So good. Oh! <laughs> it's a fucking pizza! Oh! And he's got a picture of Tony Danza. He just hands it straight away to Cole. That made me laugh so hard. Tony Danza, who looks oddly like Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster, but that's either here nor there. Terry and Perry are now, as revealed to us on commentary, are in love. Alright. Didn't think they needed a bit of an angle there, but apparently they do. (laughs) Apparently they do. Blackman is huge and over as fuck here. It's awesome to see the momentum continuing from a big SummerSlam. Crazy action, this one. Uh, The main thing about this that kept distracting me was Crash Holly's hair. Yeah. It had grown out to this alarming level and it was this weird green almost. It was this odd colour. He's crash now as well, not crash holly anymore. Just, he's calm crash. Has yeah. Bob left or Oh Bob's been injured for a while, if you recall. Yeah. From that moonsault from Karangle onto his arm. So Crash has been on his own. I think there's crash, yeah. That's Fair the enough. way they're going. Perry uses head on Trish and Terry and crap double entendres ensue. Wow! Looks like Perry Saturn gave Trish head, huh, JR? Fuck off, Michael Cole. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean to say there. I understand it. I'm a grown-up now. Botched top rope hurricane ran by Crash Holly. It was the one move that Crash pulled out, and he, I screamed when I saw this. Yeah. I, I can't tell who fucked it up, if it was Crash or Al. I think it was Crash. I don't know. It was weird. Although, I don't, you're right, because Al... Because Al, Al didn't turn properly. Al didn't turn properly. It was scary, though, I think regardless. it was me, both of them did something wrong I don't know it was a it was a train wreck it was a gross move we get JR showing on commentary how much he's enjoying our current scenario hopefully King will return out here soon <laughs> folks no offence Michael can, can I just ask when you were watching would have been watching this as a child who would you have been supporting like, uh, out of all these guys yeah. here I'd say I'd probably definitely be in the corner of Steve Blackman or Crash uh, Adam 
Uh, I'd probably be on a Crash Holly side. You're on Crash side. There's one kid in the front row who every like couple of seconds just goes, "Go get him, Test!" Who's oh, fucking cheering for no, Test? Test. My cousin's <laughs> favorite wrestler when we were watching was Test. Like, oh, why? Uh, just, I don't know. Maybe like guys being jilted at the altar, but you know, <laughs> too many spots in this match. Yeah. It's hard to keep up, really, and it's it's not like kind of like a TLC affair where I'm like, oh, there's too much to keep up with. It's just like. There's no flow, if you know what I mean. It's noise, really, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Crash wins the title, which he, you know, he the timer is going to run out, so he has to run away, basically. He runs immediately into Perry. If he's got a trash can, just trash cans him immediately. And it's yeah. Perry immediately wins. I stopped keeping track immediately, then, of who's going to be champion. There, there's no, no, there's no other title changes up until the finish. Oh, well, that's good. Very few in this They match. go into the crowd to start crowd brawling. I'm kind of like, all right, bit of crowd brawling. Reset themselves mm. here, and then they'll get back to it. And they go a full two minutes with the same camera angle in yeah. the crowd, doing fucking nothing. Boring. It was awful. It was really bad. They didn't even move around. They were just there in the bit between the front rows and the back rows. And they just stood there for two minutes, yeah. the camera on them. We get some cool stick work by Steve Blackman, though. Yeah, we also get Tess selling a pizza box like a chair. <laughs> which I fucking love. You hit me with a pizza. What's that all about? <laughs> Kendo sticks go everywhere and Steve Blackman pins Perry Saturn. He spits and then attempts to leave. And like every single guy is trying to stop him. And Steve Blackman gets beaten like a dog for the last 30 seconds. But no one can pin him. And I love that. It's just like Steve, just, he's like, he knows he just has to survive. Wait this the beat down and he'll do it and he does and he wins so that was a cool cool finish I thought yeah. happy to see Steve Blackman maintaining his hardcore championship thoughts on the match overall? I enjoyed it yeah as far as hardcore spectaculars go I mean you're always expecting they're a always a bit mess. of a shambles aren't yeah. they? they're never like you know a beautiful well paced match so for hardcore match standards I thought it was alright yeah Yeah. backstage Kurt Angle with Tony Gonorrhea and some giant nerd Seriously, he was like, where did he get this lad like? I don't know, he's just showing off his meds. Showing off his meds. Steve Austin meets Kurt Angle. Oh my god. How you doing? Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's uh it's a, it's an honor honor to meet you. Uh I'm Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of me. Uh, you know, the Olympics, basically, they celebrate hard work and courage. Kind of like your comeback. And uh, because of your comeback, you come back to the WWF and for the fact that, I mean, let's face it, uh, it's too late for you to win one of your own. I'd like to honor you with this honorary gold medal, if you don't mind. You know, I, I realize I realize it's not as big as mine, but you know, you, you didn't really do anything to, to earn it, so I, I'd say it's a pretty good deal, don't you think? Well, I want to thank you, Kurt. And I, sure. I'll tell you right now that I'm gonna store this in a, a real special place. Thank you. I, I think you should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, right up your ass. Brilliant! I love this. I've never seen these two on screen together before. It shows you how much that the WWF has changed when you think '98 Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. Like yeah. seeing these characters interact, mm. it's like, whoa! This is so different now. 
Uh, Steve Austin, of course, not impressed with Kurt Angle, who then gives him a little replica medal. He gives him a replica, and try, he tries to tell him what the Olympics are, as if Austin <laughs> doesn't know. They don't but, get Olympics in Texas. <laughs> then he gives him an honorary medal, and then says, it isn't as big as mine, as you didn't earn it. <laughs> Which I've laughed so hard at. What's quite funny about it is that he, it's like, Steve, this is very important, this honorary medal, so make sure you keep it safe. And Austin says, oh, I'm going to keep it somewhere safe, right up your ass, Boom, Beats him up as well. Beats yeah. it. Austin's on a tear tonight. Yes, yeah, like. no one is safe. It's a great, hilarious interaction between the two of them, though. I was laughing big time. Coming up next, the placeholder feuds. To end all placeholder feuds, Y2J, Chris Jericho, taking on X-Pac. X-Pac has got nunchucks now. Yeah, he's just found Steve Blackman's old like sports bag, and he's gone insane. You can tell a character is flamethrowing when they give him a shitty little bit yeah. like this. Well, you got nunchucks now. Ah, you know, is he interesting yet? It's annoying, if it, anything. It really feels like Jericho's been demoted. Yeah, Jericho being at this level with X-Pac, who's just waving his nunchucks around, desperately trying to hang on to something. It's funny, we were, we were commenting um, while watching Raw the other day, how strange it was that Benoit seemed to be around the main event scene a lot, lot more than we thought. Mm. And Jericho really wasn't there as much. Benoit got more time in the main event than Jericho did during this period. Thus far, yeah. Yeah, it's quite strange indeed. I mean, these two are literally just feuding because. Yeah. You know, uh, X-Pac's got nothing to do. No. So Jericho's stuck with him. And X, what is X-Pac at the moment? You know, there's no DX. He's a martial arts master, Kevin. Did you not see the nunchucks? Oh, shit. The way he was throwing them around. You know, he's like, he's like some fucking kid who comes back after a summer holiday. Like, <laughs> he's got I literally a big pair of sunglasses. Like, kind of like, oh, yeah, I went to Spain. I got pepper spray and nunchucks, you know? I literally knew a kid that got nunchucks on holiday and just Fuck came back sake. and, like, you know, just flapped them around thinking he knows what, he, it knows what he's doing. That's it's all fun and games now, Xbox, but you'll get in trouble and your parents will be taken to the police <laughs> for giving you shit like this later on. Fast, angry action from both men. Sick chops from Y2J. I will say, even though this is, you know, placeholder, maybe not a very inventive feud for these gentlemen, it certainly is like, you know you're going to get good stuff out it, of them. It's still a good know. match, and the thing that I noted about this match is what I like so much about it is how the momentum changed at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Like, Jericho would be working over uh, X-Pac, and then all of a sudden there's a counter... And then it happens again. Like, no one got in more than two moves before a the counter. The speed that these two guys work at is always amazing. Like, and x it's nice to see him finally, you know, take on Jericho. And Jericho's now in a comfortable position where he can just flat out go. And yeah. That WWF style. It's not like before where he had to kind of lead him by the hand, so to speak. He's still learning. Though this is great to see the two of them finally cut loose. And x is capable of so much and you rarely see any of it. And this is a match where you do get to see a lot of what he's capable yeah. of because Jericho can simply keep up with him. The Bronco Buster gets avoided early on to which Jim Ross says, he danced, he pranced, <laughs> and he took too long. Somersault Plancha by X-Pac. Holy fuck, he's pulling the big moves out here. He hips right to Jay, right into Mark Eden, like hard into into the timekeeper's shoulder, who literally just goes, ah! <laughs> horrible. Like, he, didn't, he didn't budge at all. He's like he went to a brick wall. X-Pac is wearing all this DX gear and like there's no DX at the moment and there is no reason for him to wear it still. Did you hear JR talking about it? Yeah, that? they started talking yeah. about it, yeah. Oh, he can't let go of DX and 
how he must be jealous because Triple H has got all these titles now and the New Age Outlaws always had loads of title success and Xbox's the only one out of DX that never really did anything good and he's still wearing the uniform. They get like really nasty and they do, of yeah. Xbox on commentary. Ain't no money being a sad kick. Fucking cutting them deep there, man. I just think that Xbox legitimately is too lazy to get new tights made. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Where's his going. fucking red tights he was so fond of? Do you remember when DX was at the height of their success? He and refused he was, to wear the colours. Wear the and now like, X, the DX are definitely gone. He can't get them out of them. Like, yeah. you know, it's really strange, isn't it? Unbelievable. The announcers keep talking up Shane's claims that he's got video evidence of who ran over Steve Austin. So more on that later. Y2J hits the Bronco Buster. And like... Jesus, he does it gross. Like, real, it's really yeah. vicious. Come on, baby! Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't want that. I don't want Jericho doing that. Xbox gets his nunchucks, and then the roll-up, but nothing happens. But then a low blow, and an X-Factor with a kick-out by Jericho. Walls of Jericho on Xbox, who screams but manages to make his way to the ropes. And then we get Lion Salt attempt by Chris Jericho, who lands right on Xbox knees, counter after counter after mm. counter. We get a top rope reversal, though, from uh, to Xbox into the walls of Jericho, to which Xbox finally taps out. YGJ wins, and he won't release the hold. So, like, Xbox is kept in there for ages. And then we get a nunchuck attack post match. Yeah. The nunchucks look so lame when he's hitting them. He's just like tapping them. He doesn't like. know how to use them. He's got no idea. What well, he can spin them around he's and just do all. Them with it, like yeah. it's a towel. Yeah. As a kid, I had a great deal of trouble trying to accept Xbox's supposed kung fu mastery. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of this match? I thought it was an enjoyable affair, although, yeah, you know... Yeah, it, it was good. As, as silly as the booking might be, the, the match itself was very good. Yeah, very good stuff from these two. But I think I'd like to see a bit more from either guy, you know, in terms of a storyline that I can sink my teeth into. Something There's no excuse on. with Jericho, like, yeah. you know, I mean... You can't just be putting him in amazing matches with no story, like, you know, you need a little bit more from... Because he's got... He's the young babyface guy. He's, like, the next guy, surely, because... You know, Austin and Rock, they, those are the kind of established older guys, whatever. So you need to always have a younger guy underneath yeah. who's on his way up. And that's that's Jericho. Surely, yeah. That's where The Rock was. So they need to take care of him a bit better. Backstage, Commissioner Foley is with Kurt Angle in his office. I love that he's practicing ref counts. Yeah. By himself, just doing his little one, exercises. Two, three, yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> he talks to Kurt Angle about... The fact that Triple H is hurt and he's got sore ribs, which Kurt says it's nothing. The night before the Olympic Games, he had a cold and IBS. You do BS, that's true. Irritable bowel syndrome, Vic. <laughs> Gonorrhea. D- diarrhea. Brilliant. I can listen to these two guys for ages. It's, it's like Vic and Bob. It's fucking great. Backstage, Austin and The Rock. Welcome back. I still ain't found a son of a bitch who ran me over last night, buddy, but it's good to be back. Which is why I'm here. You know, I know we're cool, you and me are cool, but it was your rent-a-car. You gotta be able to think back and tell me, you know, who was in a locker room snooping around and might have got your keys. Uh, the fact of the matter is this, it, it, it could have been anybody. Everybody's in and out, they could have just gone in the Rock's bag and just taken his keys just like that. It, hell, it could have been, uh... Hey, sorry to... Hey, you? Oh, I'm, uh, Joe. Joe who? Just... Joe, I just want to say that um, I was back in the locker room and I overheard some stuff that uh, you might want to hear about. Well, you know, I heard something in the locker room, too. 
I heard it just Joe was a sorry son of a bit. Oh my god. Yeah. The two of them. And then they shake hands. Yeah. Hands up. I was jumping up and down going, now hug. You know, I was really <laughs> what I want that like. Was it cool to see that? I mean, yeah, I really wasn't expecting um, them to just shake hands because I know they've had a shaky past in the start, but I know they've also, by the time that Austin had left, they were on good terms. <laughs> Sorry, so it was funny. He's like, well, Rock, we have had a shaky past, so <laughs> I'm going to shake your hand. Like, you know. The Rock appreciates Sorry. that imagery. Like, you know. Do you run over me, bro? Straight off yeah. ass him. No, I did not. I did not run over you, even though it was the Rock's limousine. And he's like, oh no, anyone could have stole it. Mm. What do you think about that, Billy? I don't know. The the, the real question here isn't who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. The real question is, oh my God, how did it take us so long to get to Just Joe coming in? Just Joe makes an appearance, folks. Just Joe is the new kid around town. Uh, Joey Legends, the uh, very accomplished independent wrestler of the time, was very much uh, friends with Edge and Christian and all them, grew up on the scene with those guys. Finally debuts in WWF, and he's given the gimmick of a guy who goes around going, uh, hey, uh, the word is uh, that something going on over here. Or, ooh, I heard in the back that Gangrel doesn't like Perry Saturn. Or like, ooh, I heard in the back that Al Snow doesn't like D-Malenko. He's essentially comes the matchmaker for fucking Velocity and Sunday Night Heat and shit <laughs> like that. What do you think of his gimmick here? He's, he's a snitch. Yeah. It seems like a, a pretty shitty gimmick to give someone. If he really was like, you know, a, a well-seasoned indie pro wrestler, then they could have given him something better than that. He claimed he was absolutely miserable during his time in WWF. He only ever appeared in backstage segments on the main show, and then on Heat, when he ever did wrestle, he always lost. He lost to the Brooklyn Brawler on Heat. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, and the fun thing is, well is that he says he's Joe, and Arthur says, like, Joe who? Just Joe. So his time troll would say, just Joe. Yeah. And everyone would refer to him as Just Joe. But when he came out, his nameplate just said Joe. Because <laughs> he was Just Joe. He's not... <laughs> That's what people didn't realise. Fucking the worst. He I... had an awful, awful singlet as well. And just... Just doomed from the start. Doomed. Absolutely doomed. I tell you what, though, is because... This right, he's just some random dude, Joe. Yeah. Austin's backstage trying to find out who ran him over. Joe comes in and he's like... Oh, I've, uh, I think I've got something that you might want to know. It's quite important. Austin beats him up. Yeah. Doesn't even ask him what it is. Austin. Trying to help you, mate. You fucking... Quote from Austin. Yeah, I heard something myself. I heard that Just Joe was a sorry piece of trash. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. He might have had the crucial piece of evidence for all you. He know. might have run you over for all He, he could have done it. The real sad thing about Just Joe is that apparently he was lobbying to get into WWF for ages and he had all these ideas. One of his ideas to get in was that he was going to complain about the immorality of the WWF and feud with the Godfather and Val Venus and get them to change their ways. He came up with right to censor. Oh, and then they cut him out no. of it. And that, that's according to him now, so he always take that with a pinch of salt, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's came out and he said that basically yeah, they took his idea and then his other idea was the, the snitch thing or whatever. That it was like, don't shoot the messenger and that he would get caught up in between it. But they just used it as like the worst exposition ever. Like, <sighs> So, just Joe, the legacy ends really here. We yeah. don't see much more just Joe. So I thought we'd just have a little bit of a Bit of a chat of them. Yeah. Good old Just Joe. Next up, tag team titles are on the line in a cage. Edge and Christian with their arch rivals, the Hardy Boys. At the start of this one, 
Howard Finkel says a motherfucking mouthful. This is a steel cage match for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship. In this contest, there are two ways to achieve victory. By pinfall or most men must, most men of the team must climb over the top of the cage and reach the floor in the ring at a combined weight of 462 pounds. He goes on, he's like, the winner of this match could win by escaping the cage, or also they may win the match, not just by escaping the cage, but by pinning their opponents with their shoulders going to the mat and going one, two, three, <laughs> or they could tap out, like put him in a submission or something. Oh, he just goes on yeah. and on. Waffle. And on and on and on. He, he also introduces Edge and Christian as Christian and Edge, which made me shudder. That it's, does not, happen. It's, it's just not right. It's, it's, it's weird. Edge and Christian. No, I, I like it's it. It's not cause Christian and Edge. He says not... Edge and Christian. It's Edge and Christian. But when he says Christian and Edge, it's Christian and Edge. <laughs> Fighting <laughs> me, team. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Masterpiece Theatre recap from SmackDown where Edge and Christian found old Omega tapes from the Hardy Boys. Mm. So it's like them all, like, you know, eight years old go, What about my dog, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping up and down in their fucking pajamas, like, you know, with their oh, shitty little belts. So cringe. And Edge and Christian, like, okay, you guys are pretty crap ass kids, like, you know. Oh. <laughs> It was so mean. Like. Hardly the loved one by McFoley, was it? It was really fucking. I remember getting mad scared, like you know that, like uh, I was. I never videoed any of the backyard wrestling we did, just in case. Just it, in case. Edge and Christian would find it when we were big stars <laughs> and embarrass us, like. No, Lita, unfortunately, coming out uh, at the start, she got her head smashed by Edge and Christian. Oh God. But it's a unique one. We've got tag team cage, mm. so all four men are in the ring at the same time. Which is pretty damn awesome. We get some really unique action at the start. Loads of double team moves. And you have to worry about legal man syndrome. Yeah. Stuff like that. It makes it for kind of a, a real kick-ass uh, match to start things off here. The Hardy Boys with some amazing double team moves on Edge of Christian at the start. Really great stuff. Jeff teasing the Swanton early on. But he actually falls out. Yeah. yeah. So we're left with Matt in there on his own. And this is, like, I don't know, a problem with these tag team cage matches it's like the first person to leave essentially is guaranteeing their team will lose yeah usually yeah. I fuck it, this completely ruins this for me because like Jeff's outside the cage fair enough and then Michael Cole and JR are arguing over whether he can get back in or not and he just sort of stands there awkwardly for five minutes and just looks at his brother getting beat up he looks like such a coward it's like, really silly he just they're arguing the rules and Jeff is just standing there if he so, was rolling around on the floor selling that he couldn't But he get literally said there with his hands zips going, well, my brother's getting worked over. Yeah, he looks like a fucking idiot. I, I don't understand as well, re regarding the rules, if Jeff falls out, what happens if Matt is pinned inside? Then the yeah, Edge and Christian win. win. Simple but as Jeff's that. already outside. Doesn't matter, Edge and Christian yeah, Maybe they get one tag belt, I don't know. <laughs> but no, it's really stupid because Jeff just stands there and I'm kind of like, wait, it's no DQ, it's a cage match, can't you just go in? Yeah, but they keep saying you're in. not allowed back and in. And he says you're not allowed back in or whatever. But then but clearly someone on the headset tells him something else because JR just goes, you know, the more I think about it, Michael, the more I think maybe he can get back in the cage. Maybe he's just, I'm going to bide my time. <laughs> That's all he's doing here. Edge and Christian double superplex Matt off the cage. Absolutely beautiful. Jeff then starts to try and get into the cage and Edge just kind of scolds him and he stops. So like Jeff is kind of like, right, 
double superplex to my brother, I better get my shit together and try yeah. and get in at least. Finally. Jeff beats Jimmy Corderas up for the key, and then he gets splattered by the door. It's yeah. really fucking intense. Like, And then we get our grunt of the night in this match as well. Hey. When Edge and Christian are double-teaming Matt, they're basically smushing his face into the cage. Yeah. And this is possibly the most graphic grunt of the night we've ever had to date, but Matt is just like getting crushed going, Bleh! it's really horrible. <laughs> what I know is that Matt Hardy's face just slammed right into the steel cage again. Come on, Hardy. Come on. My dog, Jeff. <laughs> My dog. Matt is fucking busted open and the cage is locked. But Christian leaves through the door and then goes back in. Yeah. He and leaves and like, just goes straight back in. And, and the then apparently rides. I was like, mad and pissed off. I was like, so is Christian out? What's going on? They're like, no, no. In this one, you can o- it only counts as you leaving if you go over, over the, the top. top. It's so stupid. I hate cave matches. I really hate it. It's really... Because this is a great action between these guys. But these stupid yeah. rules are really fucking it up. Like Jim Ross with an amazing quote here. The handsome young features of Matt Hardy may never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fucking brilliant. Matt avoids a concerto and then manages to get up to the top of the cage where Edge and Christian head up too. Jeff brings out a ladder and hits Christian with it and then it's down to Matt and Edge as Christian is on the outside. Edge can't hit Jeff through the cage so Jeff's like sitting there on the ladder. He just keeps trying to kick it. (laughs) What's your deal brother? He hits it with a, he hits the cage with a chair like he seems like a psychopath. (laughs) He's not, he's not bothering you. He's just sat there, yeah. mate. Like Jeff Hardy heads up the top of the cage. Matt and Edge are down below. And then we get one of the most mind-blowing spots ever from Jeff Hardy. What's he going to do? He's not going to do this. What the hell is Jeff Hardy going to do? He's looking for the end. Look out! God! A corkscrew move to The corkscrew moonsault, whisper in the wind off the top of the cage, and he mm. goes right between the two guys. Completely misses. Completely misses them. Big holy shit chance. Yeah. And it was spectacular. It was. But it's just the landing just... Uh. The landing was sore it, looking. Yeah. It always makes me so sad when that happens to guys, when we do a big... Such especially a massive like, move. Um, C- Cody Rhodes doing the moonsault. Yeah. Missing the New Age Outlaws. Completely whiffing it, like. Such a shame. Lita comes out. Big pop for Lita. She hurk around as Christian off the ladder on the outside. Holy shit. Two months in a row now, the Hardys are cheating. Yeah. <laughs> Get, getting someone to help them, like. Lita's like, kind of constantly involved. I love seeing Lita interfere, though. It's always great. Hardy Boys Concerto Edge off the top of the cage. Hardy Boys win. Wow. This match was struggling with its weird-ass rules for a lot of it, but the action, I thought, was breathtaking down the stretch. I thought Mm. the ending was just, whoa. I didn't expect... I thought I needed the Dudleys to enjoy, you know, these guys, but I was definitely wrong in that that game. What do you guys think of this one? I really enjoyed it. Um, It strikes me as odd as why they used this pay-per-view to put it on the Hardys, they should have done it the last pay per view, considering they were the hometown heroes. Yeah, true, mm. actually. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they were from like ten miles down the road from Raleigh. 
Yeah. And I should have put put the belt on them there. I think that would have been a bit better. Than yeah, than yeah, yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah, they? that's a good point. I never thought of that. That's sad, it's sad to see, but I mean, they do actually you know, finally win here, and the Hardys do get a nice reign with the tag belts now, which is great. Like. Yeah, as a kid, I always remember like how angry it would make me that Edge and Christian always seem to fucking beat them and get one over on the Hardy Boys. So actually, having a moment here where they finally get to be champions again. And, and Hardys are tag champions, and Lita is the women's champion. So you got all the golds yeah. with uh, with the Hardys and Lita, which is fucking awesome. Go That's team so extreme. Cool. Backstage, Austin and Stephanie McMahon meet up. Steph gives Austin his hat from Survivor Series 99, like... Was anyone else really worried that Austin was going to assault Stephanie? Yeah, as well? I, thought, yeah. I thought Stephanie I heard McMahon's a piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> Shane knows who did it. And Austin says, there's three things that are certain. Death, taxes, and DTA, essentially. But he's got his hat back, so, you know, yeah. I mean... He complain. looks genuinely touched for a second. Looks like for a second you could just see him wipe a tear from his arm. Well, why, thank you. <laughs> my daddy bought me this hat on shopzone.com. <laughs> Backstage, one of my all-time favourite segments. This is so cute. Triple H and Mick Foley have a bit of banter. Oh. Yeah. Hey, Triple H. Hey, listen. You and I have never quite seen eye to eye, right? We've never really been friends here. We've had some wars together, huh? You're damn right. You lost most of them, but not all of them. Not all of them. Okay. But lately we've been uh, kind of getting along. We've been friends a little bit. We've actually kind of bonded last <laughs> what week. What about Kurt on the metal stand? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. All right, well, that's all funny, but uh, here's your thing. Tonight, this is all business. And I'm going to do to Kurt Angle what I did to you in the past. I'm going to destroy Kurt Angle. I want to retire Kurt Angle the way I retired you. I want it all to come to an end tonight. Now, I know you hate me, and hell, I hate you. But tonight, you're going to be the referee in my match, in my chance to destroy Kurt Angle, and I need to know that you are going to call it right down the middle, and that you are going to show no signs of your hatred towards me. You know, Triple H, at one point what I was counting on is getting in the middle of it and maybe getting physically involved. But you know what? Now that there's no DQ, I don't really care. My only job as referee right now is to call it right down the line. And I can guarantee you, when I wear this shirt, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And who knows? One day when it's all over, Triple H, maybe you and I will laugh together again. Yeah, but not tonight. No, not tonight. Oh, it's so nice. So good. Because he retired him, and I thought he'd hate him forever, but he's able to have fun with him. We yeah. had some wars, didn't we? Yeah, we did have some wars, and I won most of them, yeah, but not all of them. No, but not all of them, Mick. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so nice. And then the, the guys say, I love when old rivals come together and have friendships on the basis of hating someone else. Yeah. And they both like, are making fun of Kurt Angle, always crying like, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so he guarantees Triple H that tonight it's no DQ and he will call it down the middle all he wants to do is make sure that there's an ending that's the only reason he's there yeah. is to count the three counts oh my god thank god Jerry the King Lawler is back on commentary yes. he's still looking very shaken comes out putting his clothes on him with a scowl it was a bit <laughs> I don't like seeing that like Jerry Lawler very quickly walking with a scowl on his face putting his clothes back he's, he's on he's had plenty of time to put his clothes back on yeah I don't know that was kind of like don't don't it was unsettling but I'm so happy Michael Cole literally just leaves yes the fuck out of here doesn't Cole. say goodbye or anything no. he literally sees King just gets up and walks away and he's like oh great King's here bye <laughs> I can go backstage and do something important now uh. coming up next 
the Intercontinental Championship is on the line as Eddie Guerrero, the new champion, takes on Rikishi. Rah! <laughs> we get a recap of Healy Guerrero. Oh, Eddie's ready to dance, Eddie's kid. Kid down. Eddie wants the glasses. And there they go. Wait a minute, Eddie. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, Eddie Guerrero. The, they're part of the bill. Eddie. Here comes Rikishi. The dance is over. What's that? It's Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero doing Eddie it here. Guerrero, the Intercontinental Champion. He just sprayed something in Rikishi's face. What is wrong with Eddie Guerrero? Guerrero. Guerrero. We've got a new Intercontinental Champion. You used me. You used me to get to the top. And you stepped on me in the process. You what? Hand her out. Okay, I don't need it. Are you going to be behind me like I was with you? Because if not, here's the door. So sorry. I know Eddie, but you have to learn to control your temper. 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 God, you look good, baby. Mmm, man, you look so fine. You should be in pictures, baby. Well, actually, Eddie, I am in pictures. I'm gonna be on the cover of Playboy. What? What are you talking about? We need nude pictures. Can I help you? You sure can, I see. You know, I'd like to talk to the man in charge, you know. The boss man. We've got a problem at the front gate. We just got to I get your pictures. Nobody gets here, Nathan. I'm sorry for going to the Playboy Bunny Mansion, okay? I, I don't know what I was thinking. I already forgave you, baby. John is going to take on Rakishi because Eddie Guerrero's got a case of the flu, apparently. I can't believe it. Some, Eddie came down with something just really quickly. It looks serious. China smiling. The fact, the mere fact that Eddie is wanting to be here at ringside and support her. Rikishi wants Eddie Guerrero and he wants the, the Intercontinental title. If Eddie Guerrero is not sitting down, he wouldn't be here this. What the hell is that, King? It's right in Rikishi's eye. I don't know it. I don't think Eddie's sick at all. Oh, Rikishi, the Samoan drop on, on China. Eddie, go save Mama Samuel. He won't do that to Mama. I don't know that you weren't as sick as you were making out to be. I am sick of your lies. I am sick of your temper. And I am sick of it all. China, please come down and just hear me out. Eddie, I think I've heard this all before, and I'm a little tired of hearing it. What's Rikishi doing out here now? Eddie is not good for you. I got a, something that I need to show you. I'm going to see you at Unforgiven. Please, I got to talk to Christine Hefner, OK? I know she can stop it all. What? No, I got to destroy those babies. Excuse me. Hey, no, 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 you got to go. My heart can't take this anymore. I'm sorry. Baby, I love you. You're my soulmate. Will you marry me? Yes. Yes, Eddie, I'll marry What is wrong with Guerrero? Guerrero, 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 Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is 
gone all kinds of evil. Jesus Christ, no kidding. This this is very real. Yeah, it's very yeah, very real. It's a little too real at points. This whole thing, like the way it starts, is, the way it starts is kind of comical enough. It's just like, oh baby, you should be in pictures. Oh, well, actually, Eddie, I'm gonna be in Playboy. What? And then no! it just goes on from there. Him trying to break into the Playboy mansion, being held back by security guards. Let's go. That's funny as well. That's funny. What's not funny is China crying in a corner while Eddie is stood over her like shouting in her face like that's not funny that's scary they did this the whole like meltdown thing where uh, China was the champion there was like a triple threat or something like that and like Eddie went over to make sure China was okay because uh, she got knocked out or something like that and the referee counted it so Eddie ended up winning the belt mm. and he was like oh it was a terrible accent but then he was implying he did like an evil hug <laughs> Where he winked, you know, I was like, oh, don't worry, SA, I'm evil, you know. So it was implied that Eddie Guerrero was got off the deep end, but he did this like proper meltdown thing where he's like, China's holding him back or something like that and screaming like, yeah, it, we, he's very vicious and very this. vicious. He's got his grade 10 now, he's too big for his boots, yeah, you know, <laughs> he thinks he's gonna get his grade 11 now or something <laughs> with this cocky attitude on him with his book learning. Um, I don't know, like, you've got, like, the relationship ex exploding and all this kind of stuff. And, like, you got to ask yourself, if you're going to be doing a thing, China's going to be a Playboy now, and there's going to be a lot of publicity for it, do you want to really be running a storyline where the person who's about to be in Playboy is being emotionally abused? Yeah, is that the most effective way to market this? Because it's like, you know, you've got Jerry going, whoa, I can't wait to see China in her birthday suit! And she's there crying, like, Eddie, why are you so mean to me? She's not going to be wearing anything. Ooh. <laughs> Yahoo! She won't be wearing a smile because she'll be in Playboy and her husband hates her. Woohoo! Oh. Yeah! There's a bit where she nearly breaks out of it. Well, she breaks up with Eddie and says, No, that's it, we're done. You're a bad person. And then he just goes, Hey, Mama Zita, will you marry me? And she goes, Oh, Eddie. Oh. And so, like, she nearly got out of it it's then. Sad, and then just it? got pulled back in by this fucking slime ball. Just when she thought she's had. They pull her back in. <laughs> Our true enemy is, yes, to reveal himself. Because it's probably Rikishi coming out to cut a promo about how Eddie's a bad boyfriend wearing his fat wear. Yeah. P-H-A-T wear. Jerry, Jerry immediately asks JR if he thinks Rikishi's butt cheeks weigh more than Eddie. That's, oh. a, that's, that's Jerry's contribution and after coming back. <laughs> We've missed you, pal fucking ridiculous so yeah we've got Eddie Guerrero who's about to get married to a woman who's about to be in Playboy defending his title against Rikishi and China comes out and you've got that really horrible fucking promo there yeah, all that to absorb, and China comes out with a little smile, and like, oh, she's, she's got a smile at least, and Jerry goes, rats, she's wearing clothes. All right, yeah, yeah it's guys, we just had a fucking hard go of it just there now, can we leave it? And then Jim Ross goes, she's magnificent, she's buff, she's beautiful, and she'll be in Playboy magazine this, <laughs> all right, lads. She's going to be in Playboy, isn't she? Oh, she's going to be in Playboy, and Eddie Guerrero's going to be on every second page going, stop looking at her! <laughs> 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 Fucking gross. Nice action, though, from these two. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero, awesome. Rikishi, awesome. Eddie tries to bail at the start, and China stops him and throws him back into the ring. I thought yeah. that was very funny. To which uh, Jerry goes, Eddie doesn't wear the pants, wears the pants of the family, but China decides what colour they are. <laughs> oh, God. Right, so we get a word now that JR has seen a bit of the Playboy magazine already. Yeah. I think he just said it just to make conversation. 
But Jerry won't let that lie. Describe it. <laughs> and do it real slow. <laughs> She's not wearing any clothes oh. in the pictures. <laughs> She's buff. She's <laughs> fucking gross. China saves Eddie from a stink face. And then he goes for the frog splash, but completely misses and gets the butt in the corner and then a big old Samoan drop. Love the Samoan drop from Rikishi. Absolutely glorious. Eddie is set up in the corner for the bonsai drop. He eats it, but China stops the count and just starts apologizing. She can't see. You know, all this gaslighting from Eddie Guerrero has obviously been effective and she yeah. can't let him get beat up. Rikishi just goes absolutely apeshit and then kicks China in the face. And gets DQ'd for us. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense. No, no sense. not at all. She should have been DQ'd. Well, Eddie, should have, been, Eddie right. should have been DQ'd for having interference. Yeah. But I don't understand how that's a rule that if you attack someone who comes into the ring when they shouldn't be. The rule is, because like, this has never happened before when you attack someone for outside interference, that you get disqualified. But the rule is you can't attack anyone that's been in Playboy magazine ever, uh, yeah. and you'll be DQ'd automatically for that. So yeah, That's, clear, how much clear, that's, that's why Sable always won. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, China gets a bonsai drop. Tune in next week when China gets sprayed in raw sewage after her Playboy cover gets revealed. What so is sad. this? She can't catch a break. Rikishi hates her. Eddie hates her. And then she does this thing where she comes out in Raw the next night and she's like fucking crying about like how she's a role model for everyone and how she's overcome all the obstacles to be in Playboy magazine. I'm like, shit. The bit that makes me sad here though is is um, she's on the floor crying because she's been kicked in the face. Eddie's winner by disqualification so he retains the belt. He goes to get the belt first <laughs> before checking before on her. Checking on her. It's pretty hard, like I like mean, the refs are with her, making sure she's okay. Like it's like two refs there, and then he just walks out of the ring, gets her, and goes on, picks her up, and takes her. It doesn't even check if she's okay. Just sort just, of grabs her and is like, "We're going." Head, we're going. It's a thing, right? Because China was obviously like quite emotional about the like about being in like Playboy. Like she, she it was a big deal for her. Like yeah. cause she was quite emotional about it. So you got that. You got the fact that she has in real life been cheated on by Triple H for Stephanie. At this point, now we're around yeah. there. So she's going through that as well. And then you got all this fucking shit they're stirring up. She's going through real life relationship problems and they have her do this very vicious kind of cutting a bit too close to real life thing. And they have her getting beaten up every five seconds. And of course, right to censor take issue with it. So you've got, you know, a good solid three months now of her being called a whore by Stevie Richards. It's, It's like... It's fucking hard for China here now. It's not nice. It makes me uncomfortable, the whole thing. The WWF's presentation of this is actually makes me more uncomfortable than like the fact that she's even in you know a Playboy magazine. Yeah, you know, which is ridiculous. They've handled so. this really badly. Very strange. Backstage, Booger Red is with uh. Coach, and he's got a mouth full of chew. Undertaker with the stipulation that anyone can pin anyone in the ring tonight for the WWF title. How will this affect your performance, if at all? You see, they're going to take a ride tonight. And I hate to be the one to inform them, boys, that they're not going to like this ride they're going to take. You see, I've set each one of them up to be humbled. And I've set myself up to be WWF champion once again. You see, what they forgot when I was away, that that ring out there, it's my yard. And I'm the big dog that runs that yard. So that ride that they're going to take tonight, they better hope 
It ain't their last ride. I lost all semblance of respect for the Undertaker during this one. <laughs> He's got. He refers to his opponents tonight as them boys. He looks like a UFO enthusiast here. Yeah. He's got a shitty fucking bandana, roundy sunglasses, a shit trench coat, and a dirty old plain navy t-shirt. It's just fucking awful. Like, he's such a non-promo guy. He's got a mouthful of chewing. He just does a fucking motorbike metaphor. We get it. You ride a motorbike. It's my yard, and I'm the big dog oh. in this yard. Ain't no one seen more UFOs than me. <laughs> he, he does say though, it's part of the thing. He says uh, this will be my opponent's last ride. Is that is that the origin of the move? No, he would. We call that already. Is he doing it for? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, he's just you know sneaking it into his pro. You know, like how he used to go in the past. He'd be like. Uh, I'll be describing my opponent's tombstone this weekend. Oh, God, he's so lame here. This is kind of like, right, remember I was defending Taker before when I was saying kind of, you know, at the start there was the kind of, the mystery about him when he's coming out, you know, on the bike with the trench coat and he, he had this kind of mystique about him. All that goes away when he starts with the catchphrases. Yep. And he's the Undertaker, he shouldn't be doing catchphrases. <sighs> And he just, he, about he just gains more and more catchphrases over time as well. He just, he's a catchphrase machine, badass. I mean, them boys. Re- rest, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that. As yeah. a catchphrase, I'll take that. Yeah, perfect. Nothing else. The worst one he ever gets, I think, is later on in 2001 where he's like, a, I'm the big dog around here. And if you try me, I'll make you famous. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Backstage, before his big match, Kurt Angle ignores Trish Stratus. <laughs> It seems like he's talking to himself. Yeah. He's just sat there whining to himself yeah. and Trish just walks in and he just ignores her. Oh no, no, his team is going to kick my butt. <laughs> Coming up next, oh my God, my wife, Triple H taking on Kurt Angle with Mick Foley as the special guest referee. We get a recap of the feud going back from before SummerSlam between these two. The wandering eye of Kurt Angle, which has become even more wandering ever since SummerSlam. I gave her the kind of passion that you could only give in your wildest dreams. <laughs> what are you saying, Kurt? Yeah. Oh my god. He claims that Triple H is a lousy champ and a lousier husband. <laughs> Triple H like, started like becoming really funny now because he was not just pissed off at Kurt Angle, but he was kind of mocking him. So he was kind of saying things like... You know, you're a sissy or, mm. you know, you're always crying every time you win a match and all this stuff. And Kurt was getting mad in sense. He also starts a rumour that he's, uh, he didn't, he's not in, he doesn't want to be Stephanie's boyfriend. He wants to be her gay best friend. Yeah, and Triple H is like, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but, you know, um, it is quite funny because Kurt is like, you can, the first time you start to see Kurt get real like, he does not like being made fun yeah. of, Kurt. And we get a really scary sequence then on SmackDown where Kurt literally goes fucking ballistic, beats the shit out of Triple H, beats up The Rock, and then forces himself on Stephanie McMahon and then hits Triple H with a sledgehammer. So you got Kurt Angle covered in blood, kissing another man's wife, like forcing himself on him uh. with a sledgehammer going, Who's the sissy now, Triple H? Jeez. Fucking come on. Bates Motel, like, I fucking... You get the package as well. He's like, ask your wife if I kiss like a pansy. Oh. Who is this man, like? Scary. And you imagine he's got a big boner when he's doing all this oh, as well. Like, you know, he's, he's all 
Yeah, crazy cart. It's a mad, mad, mad world. Coming in here, our special guest referee, Mick Foley. He looks so happy. He, he does. does. He? How, how great is this job for him, this yeah. man? I, I mean, I'm so happy. That's exactly the sort of thing he wants to do, isn't it? He should be doing it now, still. Yeah. You know, that's what he should be doing. Uh, we get. Whew! This is uh, possibly one of the most offensive lines they've ever said on the podcast, but. Uh, Jerry Lawler says, Kurt Angle may be sensitive, but he's not a she-male. Yeah, it's out what of nowhere. What the fuck? What the fuck? Transphobia! Seriously. <laughs> you take that fucking shit back to 1956. The fact that that is there still unedited on the network, you know. She-male. Is, is a bit, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed in that, like. You can go through a fine-tooth comb and make sure we don't say anything about concussions, but it's fine if we fucking make transphobic comments, I guess, like... Kurt Angle sings happy birthday to Stephanie McMahon. It is the lamest thing ever. Such a piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, after what he's done as well, forced himself on her, beating up her husband with a sledgehammer. Happy birthday. Uh, Imagine him covered in blood, like, uh, happy birthday. Scary. Look, man. I made you a cake out of blood. You know? <laughs> Kurt Angle... Is oh, immediately after this as well. The fucking attitude error signs in this one. There's a giant sign saying Kurt is an F word. Yeah. I'm not saying that obviously, but like that literally within a minute of the other bit from Jerry Lawler was this is very much a stark attitude error yeah. lol. You'll never know? get away from that. I don't never. Think, it's it's the fan. Even when the product changes. The fans still cling to, to, to that, and that happens a lot still. Triple H coming out. Unlike SummerSlam, he doesn't get a mixed reaction. Mm. He gets a Stone Cold pop here. Huge crowd, big into Triple H here. He's uh, really selling the ribs as well. He, he, yeah. he's all taped he up, completely yeah. winces when he does his... Um, oh, he does his... Ah, his water spit. Yeah. His water spit. He, he just completely sort of buckles under himself. It's awesome. This is like really interesting to see Triple H as the underdog now in this match. Yeah. Which you never get. It's so weird, Triple H coming out. Hearing his that hearing my time with people going, yay, is the like, one of the oddest experiences ever. Yeah, I don't think I've ever rare. heard that before. But yeah, Triple H has got a bum tummy in this one, folks. Awesome action between Kurt and Triple H to start things off. Like, they're acting like the feud dictates. Yeah. Triple H wants to kill this man. And Kurt Angle is like trying to prove this mean streak. They brawl outside and belly-to-belly -belly suplex by Kurt Angle right on the padding. Fucking beautiful. And Kurt gets right in Mick Foley's face as well. Like, yeah. mouthing off. Pushes Mick Foley. And Foley pushes him right back. He's like, I hit the way. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Absolutely great. Same thing happens to Triple H, though. He gets in Foley's face and Foley stands up for himself as well, which I think is awesome. Triple H dominates the action now in this match. Outside, he goes for the pedigree on the announce table. Looks like we're going to Shades of SummerSlam. But Angle with an amazing counter. Belly-to-belly -belly suplex from the regular announce table through the Spanish announce yeah. table. Incredible. Uh, one of the best spots I think we've seen on the podcast it's so far. It's so good. He lands with such a big crunch. Absolutely breathtaking stuff. Triple H is all jacked up, though, and sore, and he's, the, he's amazing at selling, which is great because, you know, Triple H, you really get to see him, because he's the heel, you really get to see him sell injuries for, mm. for, for a lot of time, so that's pretty cool. Top rope belly-to-belly -belly suplex by Kurt Angle, who then locks in the abdominal stretch. We get a nice little rhyming couplet from JR on commentary here. He goes, An angle lacks the pain he is inflicting on the game. He says it just like that. <laughs> I mean, he was mad happy with that. Yeah. that for hours. Great yeah. work, Jim. Good work, good work, Jim. Excellent. Moonsault by Kurt Angle. Moon misses. 
And the last time he tried that, he broke Bob Holly's arm. So Holly gets a main event mention, which is yeah. nice. Triple H then with one of like the coolest things ever, a one-armed pedigree, yeah. which I think is like really brilliant. And Stephanie is there looking between the two of them, and Triple H can't get the pin on Kurt because you know he's so hurt. And he very clearly says to Stephanie, "You've got to choose between me and Kurt Angle now." Yeah. He demands that she chooses, so she walks over and she nutshots Kurt Angle, <laughs> who then gets another pedigree. Triple H wins and kisses Stephanie in the least romantic way ever. The most forceful kiss ever. And because he's bleeding, she gets blood all over. He looks like he's bitten a lip as well because she's holding a lip. Horrible. Nice. I don't know how you kiss your wife. Has Stephanie ever gotten a nice kiss on this podcast? It's always fucking so. freaks force themselves on him or scary kisses. I hated this ending. Like, genuinely. I Because... When you get the sort of Triple H saying to Stephanie, you got to choose. Like, it's him or me. Choose now. I'll let you go. You choose who you want to choose. Like, I thought we were going to get Stephanie kicks Kurt, Triple H wins. And then we get the sort of, like, you know, like Miss Elizabeth sat on Randy's shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Triple H and Stephanie be embracing and, like, hugging and celebrating. You know, their marriage is saved and Stephanie chose him. But instead, it's really fucking it's just awkward. The, it's just like, the same ending as Eddie in China. He just yeah. grabs her arm, kisses her, then pulls her out. Well, she seems more concerned with Kurt, and then he, like, forces himself all over and gets blood all over her I face. I think the reason is, is because, literally, the second that three count was counted, it's kind of like, right, you can forget about Triple H being a face for much longer, folks. I guess. I think if you get a big moment like that, you're looking at Stephanie and Triple H being viewed as faces, which I don't think is the plan going yeah. forward. Hence why we get... Awkward, weird, shitty, fucking Triple H acting really like Really awkward. Really, really awkward. I love this match, though, I must say. Yeah, the match um, itself. This was absolutely brilliant. I thought it was an excellently told story. Kurt Angle, even though he lost here, looked like uh, he looked like a killer going after Triple H in this one. Mm. So, big, big fan of this one. WF New York, we see Grandmaster Sexay there. Possibly looking for picking up. I don't know. He's <laughs> he's there. Coming up next, Shane McMahon comes out for his big reveal. His big reveal. Who ran over Steve Austin with that gun? Who ran? <laughs> who ran over Steve Austin? Shane McMahon has got the video footage. However, this perpetrator does have a history of vehicular assault. What? Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, allow me to attract your attention up to the Titantrons and allow me to show you this unbiased, yet crucial evidence of exactly what I'm talking about. Roll the footage. Incriminating evidence. What? Oh, look yes, at that. There it is. About one year ago, Ken Shamrock was struck down vehicular assault by that man right there. Yes, that man right there, Steve Blackman. Let me see that, that one more time. Let me see that one more. Watch this. Now you want to know why? Check out, obviously, this man is capable of anything. Steve Blackman right there smashed Ken Shamrock down with no remorse. He had no regard for Ken Shamrock. Blackman is cold, callous, and cold-hearted. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Blackman, without a shadow of a doubt, is the one who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, there you have it, JR. That's video proof. And that's the bottom line, because Shane O'Mac said so. I don't know if that's that's better than footprints or hair fibers or even DNA. 
It was Steve Blackman yeah. all along. <laughs> I did not see that coming. You all bought it. Every damn <laughs> one of you were made fools of. Honestly, I was completely swerved in this thing. I genuinely, somehow, because Blackman was in the hardcore spectacular away from Shane, I somehow completely forgot all about that feud for the yeah. time being and literally thought Shane had a video that he was going to show that would, like, you know, yeah. reveal this was who it was. Like the first time we'd seen Shane since SummerSlam. Yeah. After him being killed, falling off the thing. So it was great, yeah, that he, he came back and used this all just way to get revenge on the guy who kicked him off that uh, Titan Tron like. like he, Brilliant. Did, he didn't even properly try because he just showed footage of, well, of Blackman Black running him. over Sham, Shamrock. Yeah. And then, like, I was I was hoping that we'd get the, the shot of Austin being run over again and he's no. just, like, superimposed Blackman's <laughs> car window. Like, I thought he would at least try. Wait, does this mean that we're going to get finally going to get to see Steve Austin, Steve Blackman in an iron circle match? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I think what happened with Steve Austin was that Viscera was slapping the side of his car and hit it too hard and flew over and <laughs> smashed Steve Austin. That's what happened there. But yes, yeah, Shane McMahon claims without a shadow of a doubt, Steve Blackman ran over Steve Austin, who then comes out with his new music. Step up in the nest and the back in the hill and the beer and the mud in that you What do you think of this, Billy? I don't like Disturbed. Oh. Me neither, but... Oh. I'm putting the limit inside of... He doesn't... Austin doesn't need vocals in his theme. Austin's theme is... Well, good great, because he doesn't get vocals. He gets a guy going... <laughs> <laughs> and Disturbed as well. Disturbed on... When I think of Austin, I don't think of fucking Christian New Metal. Yeah. These guys sound like Delirious from uh, Shikara. <laughs> <laughs> I love this theme. I'll be honest. I, 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 I really like, like it. it. I, just, I just don't buy into as it. As stupid as the vocals are, I think it's great. I mean, I don't dislike it. I mean, I I think it's it's. I hate Disturbed. Yeah. But same, I, I, I I kind of I have very strong associations with this song because I, I think it was smart to give Austin a new song for him coming back because he's not the same Steve Austin really anymore. He's going to be a slightly different character, but yeah, I guess. Are you like are you, uh, are you you a big fan of this one, Adam? Oh, as a kid, I used to love it. Yeah, I mean, we all tried to figure out the. This is back before the internet. We couldn't look yeah. up the lyrics, so we had to try and guess it by listening. What do you think they are? Uh, as a kid, I heard it as "Step up till the man with the muffin will kill you," because I think that you're betting that you will. So <laughs> great songwriting. Step up in the I, in the man's in the cam and the hail and on the family with the only the beginning. <laughs> I, know, I got words here and there. Gang, the limit inside you. Yeah. What is the limit inside you anyway? Like, you know, who knows? But anyway, Steve. Austin uh, starts staring down Steve Blackman and he gives him a stunner in which Shane McMahon starts celebrating jumping for joy he's like yeah I told you he did it get some beers for Austin yeah he immediately goes and gets the beers like oh, I got your beer man I got your beer, beer. <laughs> so, he's so eager to please him Austin toasts Shane McMahon which I think at this point is the greatest moment in his life but we get the beer stunner which I always love Shane McMahon like just taking flying, a swig of beer. Takes a swig and he gets the stunner and as he's flying back he sprays it all out and it looks spectacular. So he gets a stunner and then another and then another. It's like a beer. Three you stunners. can't just have one. You have to have another. <laughs> Austin's drinking between each of the stunners. Constantly, yeah. By the end of this, 
Austin has chugged eight beers. <laughs> I counted. <laughs> he's had eight beers. Mate, he's been he's been gone eight months. He's a lot. He's a thirsty man. He's got to make up for all the lost beer. They almost lost the Budweiser deal. Like it's gonna know. hit him in half an hour when it hits his bloodstream. Yeah, the, the, the next uh, uh, when they have the Dudleys and the acolytes with that guy from uh, Budweiser, Austin just comes in, takes all the beers, and drink. Uh, 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 you have to say what's up to drink the beer. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Brilliant. Austin is back. And back for good. That's what Jim Ross says. He's not back for good now. It's presumptuous. That's yeah. very presumptuous. Austin's gonna be here till he's a thousand years old, <laughs> and I'm gonna live forever. Are you happy to see Steve Austin back? Did you think this is a good introduction to Steve Austin again? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this was really cool. I thought it summed up Steve Austin nicely. I can't wait to see him interact with all the new characters. Yeah. Seeing him with Kurt Angle backstage suddenly made it click. That it was like. Oh shit! Yeah, there's still people we haven't seen Austin work Dudley with. Dudley Boys, there's so many. Chris Jericho, yeah. Benoit, New Undertaker. Like, there's low and very like, exciting. Very, very exciting indeed. Coming up next, it is our main event: a fatal four-way for the WWF Championship. It's slightly by the numbers, but it's The Rock versus Kane versus Chris Benoit versus The Undertaker. If you think that going into Unforgiven, The Rock is a targeted man, well, you're absolutely right. The Rock knows everybody's coming for that WWF title. I deserve a title shot, and I'm the only one who does. Chris Benoit's got a chip on his shoulder. He believes he should be number one contender. If anyone deserves a title shot, it's me. Now, since everybody's talking about number one contenders, Let's don't forget about the old dead man. Oh, what a political situation here! And what is the commissioner gonna do about it? I made a fatal four-way match involving Kane, The Undertaker, Chris Benoit, and The Rock. Four men with extremely different personalities, with extremely different styles, all considered to be the best in their field. Chris Benoit is about to go for his last ride! one reason and one reason only and that's payback Look 
to smack it down on all their candy asses. <sighs> the promo there, the lone highlight for me being Undertaker saying, I'm still down with the devil and I will get medieval on your ass. <laughs> Mate, what are you doing? I'm try- I tried to stick up for you. Yeah. You make me look like a fucking dick in front of my friends now. <laughs> Coming out with this UFO enthusiast. Medieval on your ass. We got a little go-kart at the weekend as well, are you? Gonna show me your Magic the Gathering cards as well, are you? Oh, have you got all the fancy shiny ones in your big black folder? You make me look like a fucking twat, mate. Good God. As far as I'm aware, the storyline of this is everyone wants to eat the rock. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Rock does does a little does a little promo. The Rock's promo here. Let's play it. Well, Rock apparently Stone Cold Steve Austin will leave here tonight not getting what he wants. But will the Undertaker, Chris Benoit, and Kane get what they want? Mainly your WWF Championship. Finally, The Rock has come back to Philadelphia. Michael Cole, how can you stand there and ask The Rock such a stupid question? How do you know what they want? How do you know what The Undertaker, Chris Benoit, and Kane want? Maybe Kane just wants a box of matches so he can go light his big red ass on fire. Did you ever think about that? No. Or maybe Benoit, all he wants is a pet Wolverine so he could go ahead and lick its left testicle. Did you ever think about that? Or maybe The Undertaker, the American badass, wants to jump on his motorcycle and ride around the First Union Center a couple of more times because it gives him that funny feeling. Whoa. The fact of the matter is this, they want, they want, they want. But if they think for one single solitary second that they're gonna take The Rock's WWF title off the people's waist, then what they want and what they get is entirely different. Because if they think that they're gonna beat The Rock tonight, then The Rock says he's gonna take off three of their heads and shove them so far up their asses, they're gonna cut holes in their little nipples just to see if you smell what The Rock is cooking. The oh, best. God, oh man. man. He, he sums up everybody about what they actually want. He says, more or less, I'm paraphrasing here, but Kane wants to set his own bum on fire. <laughs> uh, Benoit wants to lick a Wolverine's testicle, and Taker enjoys the vibrations of the motorbike on his genitals. Yeah. That's, Why that's, do... that's what he's got to say about that. Why <laughs> do I want to set my bum on fire? <laughs> I am a monster! This is honestly one of the funniest rock lines yeah. ever to me, though. It's the. Maybe the Undertaker would get up on his motorcycle and ride around the Union Center a few more times because it gives him that funny feeling. The Rock is like kind of... Gets me so just, hard. Yeah, oh, it's man. so fucking funny. It's ridiculous. There are a trillion refs at the start of this one. So many refs. And you see what too Undertaker... Many refs, too many refs. Uh, Undertaker, he wore his best t-shirt for the main event. It looks like he's wearing his... Bed clothes. Mm-hmm. Remember when we watched Mayhem in Manchester and he had to wear his, uh, his oh, own... Oh, that bin bag. Yeah. yeah, he looks... That's aspirational compared to this. Yeah. You know he's fallen on hard times. I know you've not seen any UFOs recently, <laughs> alright? But, I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure you'll get a, a write-up in UFO Weekly. You know, huh? You can't be wearing that old clothes. Come on now, Undertaker. Clusterfuck action to start us off here. The Rock and Chris Benoit brawl in the crowd. Are you okay, <laughs> 
The idea of reducing the Undertaker down to UFO enthusiasts that's really tickled me. Rock and Benoit crowd brawl, Kane and Undertaker ring brawl, non-stop punching. Rock and Taker double team Kane, which is pretty cool. Kane, of course, being the big baddie of this one, really. What has happened with Kane recently, and it's very interesting, is he's just started talking on the microphone yeah. on his own, like lots. Yeah. Too much. He's not using the Voco. No, he's not using the Voco box. Obviously, those were, uh, I don't know, emotional voice problems that he had. What do you think of Kane talking now on the reg? Don't like it. I don't mind it. Mm. It gives him a bit more to do. I've never been a fan of Kane talking. When he's it opens to be the up big the doors a bit more from though that he doesn't need a Paul Bearer or a Tory or something. He can like he can be his own man now. He gives know? the character yes, more depth. Yeah, well. exactly. I mean, that's what you want. Like, I, I don't want. I don't. Know, I, don't I, I wouldn't enjoy Kane if he was just this anonymous guy. I think speak. I think why I don't like it is because the way he talks, he just talks too regularly. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think he, he sounds like the 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 apes from Planet of the Apes because he's got the thing over it, like the, he's got like that mask over him. So he's yeah, like, Kane like, must never kill the other Kane. <laughs> do you see? Do you see the destruction that the Undertaker is capable of? I told you. I just think that he talks too much like a regular dude and not enough. Yeah, like I a get big it. He just, he just sounds like he could be like just some bloke. Yeah. Not a man who has got, you know. He could, he could very talk. disfigured. I remember being really disappointed that they just dropped the voice box because I thought the voice box was one of the most intriguing things ever. Yeah, if they kept the ever. voice box, that would have been cool. Really cool. I, and I thought, yeah, it was, it, it was good in the sense that, yeah, it opened up Kane's, you know, what he could do more. But I was upset in the sense, though, that it's kind of like it makes Kane like other wrestlers now a little bit too much for my liking. He's he's not as special as he was once yeah. was. He's yeah. not different. He hasn't got that unique quality. He's just you know he's got his promos now. You know, yeah. whereas before it's like Kane might be pushed into finally saying something and taking out his voice box, and it's like whoa, he's gonna finally say something. Yeah. So he's just kind of a little bit more by the numbers now. Undertaker gets jerked down off the top rope by The Rock. We get a ref bump, and then the Undertaker grabs a chair and smacks The Rock, and we get some. I was like, at the start of this match, my arms were all folded, kind of going, oh, it's just a fatal four-way, it's no mm. big thing, but I really started buying into these near falls and close yeah. encounters and things like it, that. It's, it's, it's very quick as well, there wasn't any lying around from anyone, waiting, just yeah. letting other guys do some stuff and they'll take their turn. Everyone's getting involved with everybody, which yeah, I enjoyed, awesome. and it's very rare to see in a fatal four-way. Everyone's always fighting. Yeah. Benoit pins The Undertaker with his feet on the ropes and is once again declared the WWF champion. But Mick Foley comes out and overrules the decision to a massive pop. It's kind of funny that Benoit twice... Yeah, he's basically three pay-per-views. This has happened to him twice now. It's quite funny, isn't it? Like yeah. he's, he, he's like got a chip on his shoulder for the rest of his career, basically. And I was like, I was going to be pissy about it and be like, oh, you're repeating the same spot we did at Fully Loaded here. But then what happens straight afterwards is brilliant because Benoit's like stood on the ramp and then he turns around and Kane, Undertaker and The Rock are all lined up there. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, you've done it now, boy. You've gone and made a big mistake. <laughs> all right? I can't allow for you to think you just walk away, mate. Like, you know, turn around. Yeah, that, that, that's enough. Kane. All right, no, he has to face the Piper because he's going to pay. Right, uh. The end is now. And it is going to be his judgment day. The Rock steps to Undertaker with the ring steps. And oh my god, what a fucking smack on the Undertaker very, there. Very, loud. Chris Benoit with Air Canada to The Rock. Oh. But then in a moment which we would see several times after the man's death, 
The Rock puts the cross face on Chris Benoit. Do you ever see that thing that Triple H and Shawn Michaels did after Benoit passed where they kept doing the cross face? Out no. of the yeah, it was like pay-per-views, they would just like pull out the cross face and just start doing it like... And like I remember like they mentioned about it once, like in some interview, they're kinda like, Oh, you wouldn't understand it's our thing, like and yeah, they, they would just pop in the crossface randomly. Well, he did it at uh, WrestleMania 30 against Brian, yeah. didn't he, Triple H? Oh, yeah. He put yeah. yeah, Triple H did it, Michaels did it, Cena did it once, I think. Mm. But I remember every time it would happen, I would literally be screaming at my TV going, why are you doing this? Like, yeah. Can you please, you're fucking around with things here. It's like, yeah. Don't. Weird. It's so strange, yeah. But that was it, definitely, like, that's one of people have kind of forgotten about because they stopped doing it recently. But in the years after Benoit's death, you know, after that tragedy, other people doing the crossface, and it was meant to be some sort of like. So it's a bit. It's a tarnished move now. It was this veiled kind of thing, like kind of it's meant to be a tribute. Or something, I don't think it was meant. I mean, it looked like it was. It looks on the surface as a tribute, but I think it was them trying to kind of go like, "Oh, we're we're doing the move or something like that." That's trying to be edgy. I, I I don't get. Only they know. To yeah. be honest, but I'm sure I'm sure someone will tell us on Twitter why they <laughs> why they reckon they did it. Like, because Owen Hart's a piece of shit. I think so. Yeah. I mean, we don't know why they did it, but do you reckon you know why they did it? Let us know, please. We want to we want to find out. The Rock, of course, has Benoit in the crossface, but ch- at the same time, Kane chokes Sam's the Undertaker. The Rock goes for the people elbow, which gets viciously stopped by Chris Benoit. He just smacks him with this gross fucking clothesline. Yeah, like whoa, mate, that is that is not on. You can't stop a people's elbow. The crowd boos so <laughs> much; it's crazy. The Rock eats the last ride. I remember distinctly thinking at the time. Oh, only like small guys like X Pac or whoever are gonna take the last ride. The Rock's not gonna take the last ride. He fucking does. He takes it like a champ, man. Oh my god. Benoit lays out the brothers of destruction and locks the crossface in on the Rock. It looks like the Rock is gonna tap. Yeah. But he, uh, Chris Benoit, eats a choke slam. Taker and Kane start brawling outside, and the Rock manages to get the Rock bottom on Chris Benoit. Absolute insanity these last few moments, but the Rock manages to survive and get the pin and keep his WWF Championship. Wow, I was really impressed by this match. It was a lot yeah. better than I expected. Yeah, I was. I was just kind of like, huh, you know, didn't for a face of all weight, did really, yeah. really good. Yeah, there was. You know, everyone was busy, you know? Yeah. It was a shorter match as well, I think, than what we're used to for a main event. Mm. But it's not as if we had loads lengthy sequences of crowd brawling or guys stick you know, being knocked out of the match and other guys taking turns. Everyone was pretty much, you know, you know, on form on this yeah. one. So I don't know, yeah. And that's uh, Unforgiven two thousand. All it's left to do is ask for match of the night and MVP Adam. Uh, match of the night was Kurt Angle versus Triple H for me. Absolutely stellar match. The ending was weird, like I say, it made me feel very uncomfortable because I thought, I know, I understand what you're saying about they couldn't make Triple H and Stephanie face, but I thought that would have been a much nicer ending and a better yeah. moment to finish that rivalry off. Considering it was so emotional and like, you know, the crowd was really invested in it, I think they could have afforded to just have that nice proper little ending, put a bow on it. Yeah. But still, amazing match, great psychology and brilliant storytelling. MVP is tough. I, I like, there's not like anyone would have been anything particularly amazing like going above and beyond tonight, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Triple H, I think, maybe, because just seeing him trying to do the storytelling from a babyface point of view, and not just babyface, but like a really disadvantaged underdog babyface that's all injured and he's got like personal problems going on with his wife. Yeah. I was really like, you know, surprised to see that part of Triple H at this point in his career, so 
Yeah, I'm going to go with him for MVP. I think. Awesome. Billy, match of the night MVP. I echo Adam on both counts for the exact same reasons. Nothing, nothing really I can add to it. But uh, Thoughts on the pay-per-view overall? It was good. Really enjoyed it. Uh, better than SummerSlam, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed it. I don't think it was a bad match in the card. No, and I really enjoyed the threat of Steve Austin running the whole night, which was really, you know, yeah. which was really, really interesting. And the stuff that's going on now for the next few weeks as Austin is like hits raw they're on the new network starting the next night they start on TNN they leave the USA network and Austin hits the ground running trying to find out who ran him over and you get a few weeks now of my favourite thing with Austin which is him interfering in everyone's matches he's like I want to find out who killed, who, who tried to kill me guys so it's like you know six man tag Dudley's in right to censor whatever Austin comes out with chair locks them all out leaves you don't get to have a match because <laughs> I don't know who ran me over <laughs> and now we got a very interesting thing which comes from that which is Mick Foley the commissioner and Steve Austin butting heads because Foley wants to find out for Austin who's doing it Austin's think he's doing a good job so yeah it's a really interesting one for me match of the night I'm going to have to go with the main event so I really enjoyed the Fatal 4 way really impressive work from all four people and MVP I like your sentiments Adam definitely for Triple H for MVP I thought he did an excellent job and to see him be able to do babyface underdog so convincingly without changing his character or kind of compromising his character. Considering a few months ago, I relate that you know he was the most hateable, detestable heel on the planet, and he's like, still yeah. that same guy though. But, but like, it's great it how, worked you know, perfectly. Yeah, Kurt Angle as well. Special mention to doing an amazing job being the fucking creep in this one. It was uh, it's pretty amazing. So I mean, our next pay per view, we're gonna find out who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh shit! Oh shit! Out. We finally get to find. Out. It's big news. It's going to finally happen. I don't think you're going to re really. I don't know how you're going to think about who ran over Steve Austin, but it's it's interesting. Okay. That's all I will say for that, and I'm trying desperately not to spoil it for you. We do also, on the next side in Raw, get a very important debut, re debut, coming back from rehab, and you wouldn't recognize him. But William Regal is back. Oh, yeah. He's back as well. So Very nice. we are definitely into this different part of the Attitude Era now. Only six pay-per-views between us and WrestleMania 17 wow. now. Wow. So that's a very interesting way of looking at it. I'm dead excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Too. I can't wait to find out who ran over Steve Austin. And more importantly, I can't wait to see Billy's reaction to who ran over Steve Austin. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of the Attitude Era Podcast. Thank you very much for listening in. If you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, make sure you leave a rating or review. Thank you so much for everyone who's done that already. Helps us out huge, gets us up in the top 10, which we've been in quite a few times recently. And also make sure you subscribe, get all our episodes direct, download all our previous episodes. Recently passed a million plays and downloads combined, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, stupid. A million! That much is ridiculous. A million dollars! <laughs> fucking great. But thank you so much, everyone, for, for, for following us and for supporting us. We appreciate it greatly. As always, the best way to keep in touch, at ePodcast on Twitter. Give us a follow. Live tweet and raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, NXT, our thoughts on the product and episode updates. All of it can be found there. And if you want to take part in a caption contest, send some fan art or get involved in some spoofs and goose, facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. Go over there, give us a like, check out the page, get involved with the Glad Gay community. 
Head on over to youtube.com slash podcast as well. You can find some video clips of some of the best parts of our previous episodes. We've got some real classic moments of the Action Era podcast on there, including stuff like Triple H being in the cockpit flying over WCW. Do you remember that, guys? That was oh, one, yeah, of our, yeah. one of our earliest moments. Cockpit! Yeah. Uh... I rewatched that recently and just forgot just how fucking ridiculous <laughs> that was. Oh, definitely. Very ridiculous. Yeah, big up to our main man, Michael Haythorpe, who's been making us some videos recently as well. They're absolutely awesome. He did Viscera winning all the hoes and Big Boss Man behaving badly. Fucking amazing work. Absolute gold. Thank you so much, Michael. And also go and check out our Vine account at AE Podcast. That's linked to our Twitter. Got loads of little six second spoofs and goofs from all sorts of different kinds of wrestling on there. Stuff. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Butchermania.com. I said no hits. Deep tracks only, bro. <laughs> Come on. That was good. That's good. <laughs> Botchley.com, go yeah, to it, I guess. I Dave, hope, Dave Matthews Band. I hope Matthew's okay with the way you're plugging his website. <laughs> I fucking hope the ants are okay with the way you're plugging things. But anyway, uh, if you're also in the market for a wrestling zine, considering that print media and wrestling haven't had a great track record as of late with all the magazines going out of business, be sure you get involved with Calling Spots. It's fantastic. Subscriptions available now. Issues cost £2. High-quality wrestling media with articles from myself and... Uh, Drawings from Adam, be sure you check it out. If you like this show and you like the humour and the style of humour, you will adore Calling Spots. And of course as well, if you're a hardcore member of the Glad Gay community and you want to give back monetarily and give us back a few quid, and just that, help us arrange recordings with our main man Billy, help us pay those SoundCloud fees, be sure you head over onto selfie.com forward slash AE podcast. For $5 or £3, our wrestling commentary tracks are available now. Wrestling movies of years gone past like Beyond the Mat and Wrestling with Shadows, WWE films like The Condemned, and even WWE Network documentaries like CM Punk, Best in the World. Hear us talk over them, hear our thoughts, play alongside. We've got amazing feedback from them so far. They're available now for £3 or $5. You can pay with PayPal, selfie.com forward slash AE podcast. That's going to do it for this episode. Of the Attitude Era Podcast, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era Podcast when it's no mercy. And we're going to find out who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm looking forward to it.